Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to an extra, extra special edition of Thrush and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast that is one part Trekkie Monster, one part Kate Monster, 100% Lucy the Slut. Speaking of loose, I'm Aaron. And I'm joined as unusual by another of our favourite guests. While freckled face fart machine Gareth is taking some time off to lick his wounds. Welcome back to the show. Actor, singer, dancer, writer, producer, and the voice of these Fossey Forest ballet commercials that Mamma Mia likes. It's the West End's Dave Musket. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. How are you? You, you forgot to mention that I can also do eight handstands in a row. Really? Oh, Godfathers. Yeah, I, I saw you in, a, as I've mentioned before, I saw you in a chorus line yeah. and, and all you guys in that, um, I could only wish to do what you guys, in fact, Andrew, he did the, the flip over yes, he did. on the side of the wall. I taught him that. I, I begged our, our um, acting teacher, please teach me how to do that. Please, can you teach me how to do it? And she's like, you have to get a harness and everything. I'm like, no, I really want to learn how to do it. And I still today, I cannot do it. Unfortunately, uh, but it's probably a good thing because I'm a little bit of a klutz. Probably shouldn't go into. I should should ask you first. How how your week's been? If you you remember the past week, <laughs> as we spoke before. For me, um, <laughs> look this this whole period is one of those ones where the hours just sort of melt into days. Mm-hmm. Yesterday it felt like it was uh, March of 2020. So uh, as far as this last week, it's just been. A, a mixture of uh, various projects and uh, things to try and work on and and try to keep myself entertained and, and not staring at the walls, really. Yep, keep you out of trouble. Yeah, trying to. Keep me off the streets. Yeah, that's it. No, we don't want you on the show. You know, it's funny when um, we first had you on the show, yeah. I researched, as I do all my guests, so we do their research, but I Googled your name because I knew you didn't have a Wikipedia page, which is probably a travesty <laughs> by now. Um, and... I read this article about Dave Musket from, I think, Dandenong or somewhere. Mm. And you were, oh, not you, but I'm reading this article and I I couldn't see a photo of this Dave Musket, but he'd gone out and the the street was giving everyone the finger and causing trouble, like a real menace to to the neighborhood. And I'm I'm sitting there, I went cold all over thinking, (laughs) oh God, who have we invited on the show? Oh, shit. But then I realized, obviously, it wasn't you because he was like 40. (laughs) Five years old or something like that uh, and by then you were in london so uh I, I do have several personas so uh yes i've noticed you know but i'm not the smartest with my personas i do tend to name my personas after the same name as myself so uh i'm not the brightest in that sense uh but yeah that was me uh you know i just wanted an excuse yep. to flip the bird yep. oh well i guess now you're my personal hero <laughs> uh, i'll tell you what last night i needed a hero because as i mentioned before i'm pretty clumsy and I'll, I'll get through this story quickly because we do have a jam-packed show today yeah, with an amazing guest uh which i nearly didn't make it for i tell you that um last night about two o'clock in the mo- three o'clock maybe in the morning i went out to cook pasta as i often do uh as it would show and um first off i smelt burning and i looked down and my sleeve was a little bit close to the flame of the stove I'm like oh shit so i you know moved away and all that and i'm standing there i'm stirring the sauce and i suddenly felt something rub against my leg and it scared the shit out of me right and i sort of flicked the spoon and a splotch one splotch of sauce flew up hit me right square in the middle of the glasses wow. and i'm thinking to myself thank 
freaking hell I wearing glasses right now because I would be blind. That is, is boiling hot pasta sauce. Anyways, five minutes later, I'm pouring the water out into the sink and about a cup's worth fell out of the, the, the pot over the sink and landed right on my friggin' foot. Wow. It ripped the skin off. It ripped the whole oh. skin off. Like a, a patch probably about an inch inch wide, an inch tall. I took a photo of my ugly foot and posted it on Twitter for some stupid reason. <laughs> uh, Schadenfreude, I guess. Um, anyways, it, like I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, oh God, I'm in final destination. I am in final, de- I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I have to go to the shops in a couple of hours where the last time I went to the shops at five, six o'clock in the morning, I got stopped by two ice addicts who stopped their car right in front of me and wouldn't let me get past. Right. And then they sort of followed me a little bit. So I've had to call the police and I like, I usually feel safe going to the shops, but they had seen me go in and go to the, uh, go into the, the service station or the gas station and, and go to the ATM. So I was freaking out. And, and so here I'm thinking, Oh God, I'm going to die on my way to the shops. I'm not going to make it home. And if I do, it's in a bloody body bag, but um, you know, I'm, I'm alive. Uh, I feel a little bit queasy because I feel like my foot's going to fall off. Uh, Cause I didn't have any band-aids. The problem with children, never any band-aids. Oh my God. I had to wrap toilet paper around my foot. It looked like mummified fried chicken. I tell you that. Well, look, you know, anyways, if, if it makes you feel any better, I, I don't know if you know this, but this is a fun fact. Yeah. Um, Forty-seven people a year die from tomato sauce in the eye. <laughs> so you, you're not alone, basically, is what I'm. I'm trying to get at. Oh my god! I, on my twenty-first birthday, I stabbed myself in the hand with pizza. That is not a lie. We're going to move on with the show because I'm not going into that story. Because guess what? What? We have another legendary diva today, and it sure is Christmas Eve in July. Our next guest first spread her wings on the Broadway stage in the Tony Award-winning M Butterfly before her would be cancelled in 2021 portrayal of Christmas Eve in the Tony Award-winning Avenue Q saw her gift the performance as well to the West End and the Vegas stage, making her a bona fide Vegas showgirl. Hell yes. But apart from that, she hooed her way through Susical the Musical, entered the workroom from nine to five, and had a ball in Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella. And just when you think I've struck midnight, a thousand more credits appear with roles in shows such as Mamma Mia, the moment when the god of carnage stuffed the nerd Matilda Holiday in the closet, I married an angel. It really was the Pacific overtures to a high school musical where she matriculated alongside America's leading man, Mr. Barack Obama. Holy shit. But most recently, this diva made a splash as Pile of Poo in the hit off-Broadway musical Emoji Land. But soon she'll be sheen in Schmapple TV's Schmigadoon, which is fitting that she's coming to us live from quarantine in Ireland, even though Brigadoon is Scotland. Please give the warmest, most Aussiest g'day to the incomparable Anne Harada. Top of the morning to you. How are you doing? Oh, it's afternoon there, isn't it? What an introduction. But of course, I have to tell you, I didn't go to Vegas with Avenue Q. I'm so sorry. No. Okay. Wikipedia, you have done it to me again in front of another Broadway legend. You're going to have to do it from the start. No, it's all right. Mm, Start over. But like, um, you know. Hi, it's Aaron here. Just a quick amendment. Apologies to Anne and Wikipedia. It was not Wikipedia's fault that I got the Las Vegas bit wrong. It was my fault. In my notes, it literally says not Vegas. 
I don't know why I added Las Vegas into the introduction. That's just me being a complete scatterbrain. I tried to tell you guys. Anyways, on with the episode. Close, really close. Let's pretend, because I'm, I, as I was just saying that um, I nearly killed myself last night, and so yes. I'm still feeling queasy from that. Let's pretend. So sorry. This is my girls five ever Dolly Parton moment with, with um, where I'm imagining <laughs> that you are a Vegas showgirl, because I, I, I just watched that episode before. But yes, anyway, it's a different show, because you are obviously on Schmigadoon. Yes. Which is coming to um, Apple TV in two days after this episode drops. July 16th. Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm very excited. So welcome to the show. Thank you. This is a uh, a torture chamber of music and comedy, hopefully. <laughs> Cross your fingers on the comedy. It's always going to be a torture chamber, even if the comedy is bad. <laughs> Obviously, you were in one of the, the greatest, uh, in, you were a part of from the, the very start, I believe, um, one of the greatest musical comedies ever in Avenue Q. Thank you very much. It beat Wicked, full stop, it beat Wicked. And, and what was that vibe like going into the Tonys? Oh, we had no, we were so sure they were going to win and they were yeah. so sure they were going to win and, you know, seemed like a done deal. And so we didn't even give it a second thought. We were yeah. just all standing around backstage and we're like, oh, they're giving out Best Musical. So we all cleared a path for them, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and then they announced us and we didn't know what to do. We just started screaming yeah. oh, wow. and ran out because we, we'd not prepared. Nobody had very, everybody was very uncool. Like we all just screamed like children and ran hysterically towards the stage. Which yeah. was, I mean, there was, I can't believe it even now talking about it because if we shouldn't have, I don't know that we should have won necessarily. I love, I mean, I love our show. I thought, I think it's brilliant, but mm-hmm. you know, kind of like when you compare the two beasts, not that they needed it, they never needed it to run. And we really did need it to run. So yeah. it was a good thing that we got it, but yeah, it was insane. Like nobody expected it. And even to this day, I think it's probably the biggest upset ever in the history of Tony history. Just me thinking. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think this year's um, Aaron Tuviet. Aaron Tuviet. Tuviet. Yeah, he's going to beat himself. So that's going to be the greatest upset, I think. Well, Unless he loses. Because if he loses, he's then... He's not going to lose. Well, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. We've just yes. had the year we've had. So I feel very strongly in my heart. I am a Tony voter. Um, yeah. That, you know, only 60% of the Tony voters had to vote for him to win. And I pretty sure it's we, he's getting 60% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now there's a, a bit of uproar with um, all being jukebox musicals. What are, what are your thoughts on that? And and also yours, Dave, because I know you've been in um, Flashdance. Oh. oh, I'm so sorry. I have a knock on the door. Can I just... Oh, yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Sorry. Yep, yep. Well, I guess, it's all right. you know, well, but... Um... Look, jukebox musicals. Parcels, parcels. Oh, yeah, no worries. And and that that's all I need to say about jukebox musicals. I I, I completely missed that. <laughs> yeah, say that again, Dave. Okay, I got caught up in parcels. It's I'm, I'm like a puppy. I, I see anything and I'm I'm there. No, anyway, sorry. Yes, that was that was all right. I I was just saying. Look, jukebox musicals are, are part and parcel with the uh, with the landscape these days. I think and and yeah. you know from my perspective, if it introduces people into musical theatre and if they go on to see other styles of show then brilliant so you know that I guess that's my perspective god damn it I hate reasonable opinions <laughs> oh, and I hate them and now you're just like oh god he's talking sense isn't he <laughs> shit um, and Anne what are your thoughts because obviously the the three musicals that are nominated are because Percy Jackson missed out yeah I feel really bad about that I thought it was a pretty good show I agree like 
to me, the important thing is to get people into the theater. You know, this isn't a culture necessarily that is brought up to go to the theater. <laughs> I think people really have to make an effort. The tickets are expensive, blah, blah, blah. So whatever reason people can find to go. And, you know, I used to think Mamma Mia was the stupidest show ever written. And I'm still pretty <laughs> sure it is. But when I was in it, I had so much fun. And the audiences loved it so much. Yeah. I just have to say, like, it wore me down. It's like by the mm -hmm. end of that run, I was like, I love this show and I want to do it forever, you know, and there's just not enough character development in that. So like, you know, it's been yeah. like a minute. There's nothing to play. You're just out yeah. there like talking to get to the next song. There's absolutely no reason to be, you know, otherwise. So um, I don't know. I just I loved it, though. So I can't really throw stones at it. Well, it's, obviously, there's the two types. There's the jukebox uh, slapped together a story. And then there's the biographical one and uh, that's sort of, they're, they're very much coming out of the woodwork. Obviously the Michael Jackson one has just been announced, which is also causing a bit of controversy. Yeah. And uh, wow. um, actually your co-star Josh replied to a, a tweet laughing about Broadway's hypocrisy in terms of, uh, you know, let's, let's cut out all this abuse and now let's do an, uh, an MJ musical. And I said, oh, snap to it and laughed. And suddenly we both of us got like a hundred trolls coming at us. So oh dear, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, la laughing, la laughing these days, yeah. laughing these days can be quite, uh, you know, offensive to people. So therefore I've decided to take the stance to uh, no longer tell any jokes. <laughs> I, uh, oh no, please don't. Just from, just from this point onwards. If, if you stop telling jokes, it's solely up to me <laughs> and I, I can't handle the pressure. All right. I'll, do you know what? I carry around every Christmas cracker. Yeah. Every Christmas cracker that I've got from 1973, just for this occasion, oh, no. <laughs> just in case I need to pull out a joke. So uh, I'll, I'll have them back at the ready for you. Yeah, there is a certain dad joke quality to your humor. <laughs> and that's kind of why I like it, because it is that smack your forehead and then want to smack you on the back of the head for it. But you can't help but laugh. I get that often. Yes, I know you do. Uh, but uh, just back on the Tony Awards. Now, Dave can verify this. We didn't start getting the Tonys till about... I think it was the year 2000 or something, did we? Yeah, I, th I think it was uh, 2000, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that on, on one of those, on Foxtel or, or Optus Vision or whichever one it was at the time. But I, I do remember thinking, yes, Wicked is going to win that. Obviously unrelated but to what we're about to talk about because we're going to get back into Avenue Q afterwards because this week we got a metal album from Ireland. Yes. Thin Lizzy, which um, I picked this one because by now, I think we're on episode 33. I've uh, I've learned a little bit about heavy metal, which actually, actually, that's maybe why I'm so jittery lately. Not because of that accident <laughs> last night. It's because of all this heavy metal that I have been forced to listen to. So I, I also sent the link to you guys. Mm -hmm. And did we have a listen? Yes, we had a listen. Yes. yes. Awesome. Okay, well, I'll, I'll quickly do my review. Because I have, I always do a, a stupid review, um, and uh, and then we'll we'll get into and and what we all thought. So, when I first saw we were doing Thin Lizzy, I was like, "Are you making fun of me, Riz?" And proceeded to ignite the rip roaring guitars on the Spotify. And with each song, I found one of the most musical adaptable albums yet. Each song, I could almost hear and envision where it would fit in a Thin Lizzy jukebox musical, lest we're ever unfortunate enough to get one. The opening number, eponymous and titular, also known as Thunder and Lightning, 
screams like an electrifying opening number a la Rent, where a tough-as-nails 80s roller skating gang makes their presence and grievances known. The second song, This Is The One, is yet again another example of how metal musicians cannot count, as This Is The One is the two, according to the fact that it is the second track. However, This Is The One, where the rival skateboarding horde enter, wreaking havoc much to the chagrin of Mullet, the charismatic leader of the roller gang. But on his way back to the roller lair, he sees a pretty girl on the arms of a skateboarder. And as the sun goes down, so does the mood. The lingering tempo and musical-worthy length of six minutes making me antsier than Trekkie Monster when his Wi-Fi goes down. Comedy, tragedy, and roller violence ensue in a high-octane, acid-washed romance with a character named Skinny Bitch Betty in honour of this Irish outfit. Whilst the music isn't as theatrical as many we've reviewed in the past, numbers like The Holy War, which has a chorus sung by early 2000s Cher, and even then, if they're all on wheels, that makes this the Roly War. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Much like how I vividly imagined this awful idea for a musical, I think Julie Taymor should direct. As for the lyrics, yet again, I fail to hear anything past my own critical thoughts. But still, three stars. Well done. Yeah, no, I, I thought, because we've had a lot of theatrical stuff, a lot of operatic metal singing, but this was the first album that I could hear or I could picture how this story would play out because mm. it felt like a jukebox musical in, in that sense. I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I sort of felt when I was listening to it that it definitely had an, a strong narrative all the way through. Don't ask me what that narrative was no. in the actual album. My mind doesn't work like that. I'm, <laughs> But the music, the music I could, and the, the singing, I could hear where the chorus would come in or the ensemble, if you will. Yeah, of course. So what did you think, Anne? Because I know this obviously isn't your world. Well, I very similarly like that this is the one is sort of the I want song mm -hmm. you know like I hear it I know it I touch it I feel it I see it I was like okay all right all right you're taking a claim on something <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what I mean but I really honestly through the whole thing I just kept thinking like this is sort of like the band Spinal Tap wanted to be yeah actually they could have been I'd, I'd never seen Spinal Tap I mean they aren't I'm sure they are but I like the whole time I was like, this feels very, you know, anthemic. Every song has a fit, like is like very strong guitar, very strong. Like, I was just like, this is so weird. Like a whole album full of like, I'm putting my flag in the sand and this is the thing. You know what I mean? Like every song is like that. Like, do you not have any ballads? Mm. <laughs> no, is the answer. No. Um, but I thought that, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, what do I know? Nothing. I know nothing about this genre at all, you know, but I don't, but I think you're right. I mean, I think it would be, it could be a pretty okay musical. I've certainly seen worse. I mean, yeah. just listening to your plot, I was like, okay, I, I could sit through that. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty much West Side Story when you think about it on wheels with Thin Lizzy. <laughs> well, what isn't West Side Story on wheels, really? Yeah, no, that's true. Starlight Express. <laughs> uh, but anyways no back to back to this music um I, I wrote a few notes in terms of what else i could see the holy war i could see this as a build-up mm. a, a big build-up kind of like um be prepared in the lion king which is maybe why i i see julie tamer directing this um but i could see that build-up of of getting bigger and bigger and the chorus grows and and there's a whole big crescendo at, at the end of it uh cold sweat 
sung by a legacy skater, which is where Skinny Bitch Betty would come in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and as she recounts her failures and why she's now a recluse, because that sort of felt like it was about drugs and, and ruining your life about dro- uh, over drugs. But I guess it could apply to anything when uh, the 80s were involved. And someday she is going to hit back. I wrote, good, so she should, then leave the bastard. And that's where I stopped. That's <laughs> so, not a joke. It is an actual statement of fact. She should leave that bastard. Oh, of course. There was one, I can't remember what song it was. I'd have to bring up the, the album again. One song did great on me. One of, one of my favourite tracks, and, I, and it might very well be the one that you yeah. that graded on you. I don't know if it is, but it was Heart Attack. Um, it was sort of towards the end. I think it was track eight or track nine. Oh, that was the last one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if it was a favourite one because it was sort of nearing the end. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> because I was sort of vacuuming my house as I was listening to it. And, and I was noticing that as the album went on, my vacuuming was becoming more and more ferocious. And and by the end of it, I was vacuuming the, the drapes. I was vacuuming the ceiling. I, I was just, it, it did get me a bit hyped up. And the speakers. Yeah, everything everything but uh no heart attack was one of my favorites the uh the final song uh, you know i'm thinking of a different album to be honest I'm, I'm thinking of the album that we did two days ago <laughs> so i'm sorry about that um because no, no none of these songs really grated on me but one of them made me antsy yeah so because as i've as I've expressed on this show, just hurry up already. Just get to the point of your song for some reason, which is my own fault. Like I'm, I'm a grown man. I should be able to calm down. Well, you say that for a minute, but just uh, what were your favorite or standout tracks, Anne? Or were there any? <laughs> well, I don't know, but I think favorite would be a little strong. Um, yes. I, <laughs> I, I felt during the sun goes down, you know, that one, mm-hmm. um, it, it reminded me, it made me feel sort of Doobie Brothers ish. <laughs> I don't know why exactly but it sort of made me feel like I was like oh this must this feel sort of like when you're driving in a car in Santa Monica like it just sort of ha- it sort yeah. of had a different groove to it than the others yeah which yeah. were much more like it's the end of the world and you know there's flames crashing everywhere yeah which I I, I think I prefer that because I I can get up and move. no I know you do. yeah I- get it no it's seemed like it was different because it's so different yeah you know what yeah. I mean? there, there wasn't no you're right in that there wasn't too much um peaks and valleys across this album um i mean there was some different beats but yeah, yeah but it was just like bam 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 the whole time <laughs> but i sort of think i guess that's their style i don't know you know well, if, if that's their jam funnily enough uh this was their heaviest album which is why i picked it because i thought like songs like the boys are back in town are a bit too well known um and the whole point is is for educating about metal certainly so i thought well i'll go with one that i i had not heard of at all because um, i don't know much about thin lizzie as it is um i didn't you know i it wasn't until i said to you I'll, I'll have a look into irish metal bands i had no idea they were irish until i that google search popped up i'm like oh okay that kind of settles it um, I did look into some other ones and it was very much with Irish <laughs> fiddle and Celtic music strewn through it. And I thought, well, that's really interesting, but I don't want to scare off any more guests because <laughs> we kind of have done in the past and, and terrified them um, comically. Like it's, it's all in good fun. And, and even the metal guests have been terrified by some of the musicals we've given them. I bet. Like Pippin and and uh, Putnam <laughs> County Spelling Bee. 
<laughs> it caused quite a rant from our, our guests that episode. It was all in, in jest, obviously. You know, I, I, I sort of thought, well, I'll, I will look into their, their heavier, uh, at least Thin Lizzy's heavier album. And, yeah, no, I, I, I would like to at least see it attempted as a, a comedy, not, not maybe a serious musical. Sort of Rock of Ages-y. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed with Xanadu. <laughs> mm. There you got your rollies oh, in there. Oh, God. As, as if the past year hasn't been bad enough. I've just put that idea out into the universe. You know you know what's going to happen now. 2024, it's going to happen. Well, I want a cut of those rights because I, I put that idea out there. Goodness you gracious did. me. I don't, I don't know if you know, but this, this was actually their final album that they recorded in studio. This is the last one that they did in studio. This is their... I, I think it was their eleventh uh, or twelfth album, but this was their final one together. So it, it almost pays. It would be the perfect album to pay homage to them if you were ever gonna, if you were ever that way inclined. Uh, yeah, and um, and also it sounds like it because they do sound quite angry through some of it. <laughs> well, they've just spent eleven, uh, ten or eleven albums, you know, playing thrash music. So of course they're going to be angry by that stage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But there is that sort of that two sides going to mm. war thing like that's why i feel like maybe that's why they i don't know i didn't look into them too much if there was a bit more of a mix of um and, and maybe even some funk or some blues i might have gone with a three and a half edged on a four because there is such a strong through line in terms of you can hear a, a maybe a, a concept album in this um but no i think I think it wasn't as bad as what it could have been. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> Which is what we all strive to to reach, you know. Yeah, not as bad as it yes. could have been. I think that's pretty much your whole life. Exactly. That, that's a passing yeah, mark. That's true. A, a shout out to Moulin Rouge, the musical there. <laughs> Anyways, I think um, we probably run the course on, on Thin Lizzy. Um, there she's uh, withered away to nothing, if you will. <laughs> Actually, we probably should throw to an ad break where you'll obviously hear from our guest co-host, Dave. Woo! summer winter spring or fall the first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest west end show the fossey forest ballet where's the important stuff aha a thousand pound a week ensemble rate ah that's what mamma mia likes starring philip joel and a west end cast featuring carrie alice darren day louise demon and oliver savile and more it all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. <gasps> Darling! How long have I been mentoring you? Three months? Two years. So her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. You can watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theatre charities, acting for others, and the Theatre's Trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice. Tight. (laughs) 
And we're back with Thrush and Treasure. I'm joined by Dave Musket. And oh my God, it's Anne Harada. Goodness gracious me. Now I have to ask you, how many times in your life have you wanted to smack someone for calling you Anne Hadara or Anna Hadara? Every day. Every day. I, I can imagine. I don't know why nobody can get this name right. It's really not that hard. No, it's not. Especially since when people first try to learn my name, they always think it's Anna. And I don't know why. Just yep. because I have so many A's in my name anyway, I guess. They're just tacking another one on. I noticed that. Oh, it's crazy. It's like, <laughs> did, did, could there have been at least another vowel in there? It's funny because um, I make puzzles. Well, I used to make puzzles. Uh, and theater puzzles and sort of word games and stuff like that, right? So when I see anyone's name it doesn't matter who you are I immediately see a puzzle in a, a, a an anagram or or whatnot and your name reminds me of a game uh well it's not really a game but it's a trivia question now there are eight states in America that have one vowel do you reckon you can guess one vowel that only use one vowel all right let me think I don't know let me think can I buy a vowel yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you how many have a's one two three four but five have only A's. Oh, so it's all, oh, it's not like they just have one vowel for the whole state. It's like they've only got A's in their name. Yeah, and other, the rest of them are consonants. Like Alabama. Yes, correct. That's one. Okay. There's only eight. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, I got one. We give up? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Don't give up yet. Like, nope. let, me think, let me think a minute. <laughs> Can I say what? Uh, so I'm t absolutely terrible at pub quizzes, right? Mm -hmm. My go-to answer for any pub quiz is always Patrick Swayze. So I'm going to say Patrick Swayze. Um, no, no, sorry. Damn it. And in that vein, Kansas. Mm -hmm. Very good. Right. And there's another one that has Kansas in its name, but you don't obviously say that. Alabama, Kansas. Um, BG Dave, go to the corner and turn around. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm terrible at pub quizzes. That's um kind of what I, I make um or used to make, and that's sort of that's what this is from. Well, that's awesome. I got two out of eight. Um, what about what about LA? Does LA count? Because that's only no, oh. no, that's a city, you dork. Oh, well, see, I told you I'm terrible. Uh, Arkansas, <laughs> oh, Arkansas, of course, Arkansas, yes, all right. Yep. Arkansas. Arkansas. Mississippi, ah. yes. New Jersey, Alaska. I was going to say Alaska. Tennessee. I was going to say Tennessee. And Maryland or Maryland. Oh, wow. That is really interesting. I know that's what you used to do. That's what you do. Like, that's how your mind works. It's probably, um, I should probably get tested, I think, because if I'm looking <laughs> at names and seeing puzzles, that kind of makes me think, oh, God. And I'm an awkward oversharer. Uh, I'll cut that no. out of the episode. Obviously, it's a little bit too personal <laughs> for our audience. You're just inquisitive. Yeah. No, it's, um, I don't know what it is. It's just how my mind works. But um, obviously, you're of a Japanese-American heritage, born in Hawaii, which Hawaii and Japan are my two favorite places in the world. Oh. Japan was the first country I went to. I have a Japanese sister, um, like ed educational sister um, and all that. And I got to see her again for the first time in 20 years in Hawaii. So yes, no, I'm that they are genuinely my two favorite places in the world. I, Which island did you go to? Only Oahu, unfortunately. And uh -huh. everywhere I went was all sort of grassroots. It was all locations they used in Lost, the TV show. Ah. So I didn't do the tourist things. I went to sort of local beaches and the... because he went to beaches a lot. <laughs> yeah, the, the YMCA. And um, we went to a sugar factory that they filmed pretending it was um, Nigeria. 
we went to the um, Byodo Inn Temple, which obviously a bit of uh, Japanese culture there. It was funny because when I went to Japan, I went to Disneyland and Legoland and McDonald's and KFC. I went to Hawaii and I did a lot of Japanese things. I went to a Japanese war memorial. I saw my Japanese sister. I bought a Japanese t-shirt of Jurassic Park. And it was just weird that these two holidays, which were a year apart, were the yin and yang of each other because they were- Did you go to the Bioto in Temple on the Windward side? Yes where yes you know what i'm talking about gorgeous place that's where my dad's buried really oh yes and, and a lot of my relatives actually a lot of my relatives are but we used to go there all the time when i was a child isn't it beautiful because my dad felt very strongly oh. like that i should be comfortable yeah. in those kinds of places and it's so pretty and you yeah. can feed the peacocks and the fish mm -hmm. and a lot of kitty cats and yeah. ring the bell and do all that yes. and so i thought it is sort of like a very loving like experience to visit there yeah it, it's just it nothing but good memories for me so yeah i'm so glad you saw it because i think it's beautiful uh, Luke, oh, i walked through that place with a tear in my a lot of places in Hawaii I because I was on my own for about eight days of that trip just going around to all these local places and even like to a local chicken place a Popeye's chicken just because they filmed Lost there and obviously <laughs> the Bioto in Temple was um Jin and Son's wedding location uh -huh, uh -huh. and I just watched the tv series twice in a row so I'm walking through and I'm thinking of them I'm looking at this scenery the beautiful mountain behind it that walk up yeah. where you've got all these different temples of all the different religions and it's just such an amazing place it really really is and and I, I, now it's even more special to, to hear you say that because you're a guest on my show and oh my god oh well I was just going to say my only understanding of of Hawaii of Hawaiians is is that they like pineapple on their pizza that's about the only thing I can offer to this well that's uncultured well that's not it's discussion. not true for every Hawaiian person at all utterly uncultured I grew up there and I never had pineapple on my pizza and I think it sounds disgusting <laughs> oh no I love but you you have to understand that in London people put sweet corn on their pizza and I find that very odd they do I don't understand that <laughs> Australia we put egg and Aussie pizza has egg on yeah. it it's like a Hawaiian but with egg I don't get that and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, look, I, I, and it's funny when Josh uh, Lehman was on the episode, I was telling some stories about being in Hawaii and he looked terrified. He looked absolutely terrified of, at what I was saying. So I probably sounded in that episode like I had a really bad time because there was a few threats and I got drugged and stuff like that. Like, you know, things happen when you're on holidays by yourself. But I really did. I had such an amazing time. I, like, I got driven around in a convertible Porsche on my second day there. And at 9-11, actually, I went into a church and I did mass on the, the anniversary, the 15th anniversary of 9-11. And I just bawled my eyes out, partly also because Lost was filmed there. <laughs> but um, the, the principal of that school, which I think was Sacred Hearts or the one opposite it, the, the principal caught me walking around taking photos because it was a Sunday. And she offered to then take me for a tour around the where the priests live and behind the scenes and sort of show me the old bell and told me the history of this church that the community or well, they had run out of money and so the community got together and built this three domes I think um, out of brick like square bricks and the workmanship behind it was absolutely stunning it was I, I've photographed a lot of temples and churches 
but that was one of the most beautiful and to think that was the community that was the the hawaiian community that got together and, and did that um i think it was in kaimuki kaimuki yes yeah because there's the two schools the two religious schools opposite each other one of them sacred hearts with the jesus statue when he's got his hands out that that was where the final scenes of lost were filmed so of course i'm bawling my eyes out there <laughs> anyways we, we shouldn't be talking about this um my holidays <laughs> again i want to go back though so badly and, and to japan i can't wait and and also i have to get to broadway because well avenue q is is no longer there. no you don't have to go to broadway now no it's um and even like it it Done. had a life beyond its broadway run because two days after oh it, i know it yeah forever but still yeah. too late you don't need to go if you want to see Avenue Q. Forget no, it. No, um, you can go to see something else. There's lots of other shows to go see. Come from away. Well, theoretically, there's lots of shows, shows to see. None of them are right now, obviously. No, no. Come from away is a wonderful show, as you know. Love it, love it. Yeah, it'll probably be um first on on my um bucket list, even though I've seen it. Like, and there'll be a hundred things to to see there. But um, now in terms of uh this recording, now this was. I think maybe the last or maybe Hamilton, I guess, but or maybe even the first and last musical that really took advantage of the digital age, because those songs, the standalone songs, everyone's a little bit racist. The Internet is for porn. They made its way around on, on MySpace and, and things like that. And, you know, MSN Messenger, people who didn't know musicals knew Avenue Q because those that was very much one of the first viral things, I think, in terms of musicals. Uh, and did you guys know that at the time, like that it was spreading? Well, I certainly didn't. Yeah. I I mean, I remember when I was in London and when I was doing the West End production of Avenue Q, mm -hmm. everybody was texting on their phone and I didn't know what that was. <laughs> it's okay. I know it's like ancient history. Yeah. I don't even know why we're talking about <laughs> Well, I think in um, like these days, especially with the memes and like Hamilton, I would say, and maybe Dear Evan Hansen, popular among the kids. But I think Avenue Q, especially adults, got a real kick out of like the the sense of humor behind it, the the risky uh, irreverence of it. Um, I don't want to ask, do you think it would would um survive today? Because I I think. It's a show that we need, just like Hairspray as well. Like the, the message, overall message, I think that the show is about overrides the content that people may be offended by, if that makes sense. Of course it makes sense. I've, I've done nothing but defend this show, you know, for the last however many, ever since people have come up with the concept that like some things are, you're able to talk about on stage and some things you're not. And I'm of the belief that you, you have to do it on stage. It's far better to address it on stage than it is in actual yeah. life. I would much rather address yeah. racism on stage than, you know, on the street. Yeah, exactly. So and, you know, just because you don't talk about it or you don't sing about it doesn't mean it isn't there. Yeah. So, you know, what's the point of yeah. that? I don't believe in censorship on the stage anyway, mm -hmm. but I have spoken to the creators, not only the creators of Avenue Q and the creator of Hairspray, mm -hmm. you know, about this topic and how much flack, for whatever reason, these shows have gotten, mm -hmm. um, especially recently about, you know, whatever things that people perceive to be offensive and racist and whatever. And, you know, all I can say, whether or not it's in our defense exactly, but it's like, you have to understand that things are, have to be taken in context. Yeah. And a lot of people just won't and don't yeah. take 
productions and context. So I'm just like, you know, when somebody asks you, Anne, do you think this is racist? And I go, of course I don't think it is, or I wouldn't have done it, yeah. you know? But still, I do understand that some people are triggered by whatever and, you know, that's just the way things are. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you don't have to go see the show if you don't like it. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree there. And I um, lose a lot of left-wing friends because I don't, I'm, I'm very square in the middle in terms of let an artist have their voice. Oh, sorry. In terms of that, sorry, Dave. Well, I, I, I guess the only, the only thing I, I would, I, I would add to it would yep. be that there, there seems to be this growing sense within the community that everything that we see on stage or even in films or whatever the case might be, that they're a direct reflection of what society should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. And I, and I champion what was said before in regards to the fact that, you know, if you, if you there needs to be a space where uh, things can be uh, said and performed and, and creative thoughts can be done in context. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I 100% sort of subscribe to that feeling as well. well look, um, from, from my point of view, because I don't perform anymore, but I write, and I recently released uh, a couple of novels, but the character is a bully and he starts off as a bully. And he's a 10 year old who hates humans, but loves animals and helps rescue animals. And I'm waiting for people to tell me that I'm condoning bullying by having that. And it's funny because that then it would be people telling me who I am and what I think based on that. And I think that's what people need to realize that I expressed my pain and my experience with bullying through these novels an artist will express their experience with racism through their plays or their songs we need to let artists have their voice or art will die because it won't be art it'll just be documentary this is true and i mean documentaries art but we have documentary as a genre we have art and and we're musicals or film we have songs we have this that and we let people stand up and have their voice to express that because they're doing it in a way that it sounds good or it's it's done in a way that it makes you laugh or it makes you feel good when you walk away from it joanna gleason said it best that male audiences during um into the woods would start to fall asleep but by the end of it they were woken up and they would walk away and their night was suddenly a little bit better than their, their rough day or their rough week or whatnot, because that message or that story or what, what that they took them on sort of awoke something in them. And once we mute the artist, what's that going to be for the audience? What are they going to be taking away? In my, in my opinion, I'm again, not a performer, so it's not up to me. And I'm also not easily offended. So I probably shouldn't have an opinion on this. Oh, shut up. No, I, th- I think I think everyone has the right to have their uh, an opinion. And it doesn't matter if you're a performer or you're a writer or, you know, whether you make props backstage or, or anything like that. If you're involved in the creative business as a whole, um, then, you know, I think everyone's opinion matters. And, and I think you're 100% right that we run the risk of, Documentarizing, which is a word I just made up, the the, the whole sort of uh, the, you know the industry to, to to say that you know someone who is who is only a bully can write about being a bully, or someone who's only been the victim of a bully can write about being the victim of a bully, or or anything like that. So you know, yeah. I I I think there's definitely scope for us to have a little bit more context in uh, creativity. Oh, well. On, on that note, what would a, an Avenue Q documentary look like if it was done in, in that style? A whole lot of monsters with hands up their bum. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't have. Well, there is an Avenue Q documentary. I mean, sort of. Is there? Have you ever seen this documentary show business? No. It's about 
the sea, it's about that season, that 2004 Broadway season. Right. And it follows kind of like the openings of yeah. the four musicals. You yeah. know, it's like Us and Carolina Change yeah. and I think Taboos in it and <laughs> Wicked. You know, like just, you know, just like basically showing kind of like what happened during that Tony mm -hmm. time. It's really fascinating, actually. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, look it up. Because um, we had, we haven't recorded just yet, um, but we had uh, Tonya Pinkins on two episodes ago. So I'm going to try to watch that documentary before the, I think, 11 days until our recording. I think it is. Oh, Tan, she's so amazing, isn't she? I can't wait because I, I watched her film um, recently and um, I, I see so much potential in her because she did the production design as well. And it was her debut film. And um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Red Pill? No, not yet. Okay. I won't say anything, no spoilers or anything like that. Uh, Laura Bell Bundy has a fantastic song at the end of it. That's what I will say. American Girl, check that out on Spotify or Apple Music. But, you know, so I'm going to try to watch that in time for that um, interview because, I, 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 as I say, I, I started off with the, the question about the whole Wicked thing and, and that vibe. Um, and I actually, I saw both Wicked and Avenue Q professionally in Melbourne uh, the same year. Did you see these productions, Dave? Um, do you know what? I, I hold my hand up and I've never seen Avenue Q, even though I've uh, really, really wanted to yeah. for so long, but I've never had a chance to see it. Well, I, I saw it in Melbourne. We had a, I think it was an original um, production. So we didn't get the replica um, from Broadway, which we'd normally do. But Wicked, I saw that. And I'll tell you what, I found it quite cold. I found it was very structured, um, laboured. The performers didn't look like they were having fun. And even though it's sort of dramatic, um, I don't know. I just, I didn't, Avenue Q, you felt a warmth from the cast because they're doing such tongue-in-cheek work um, that, you know, you can't really do that coldly or you'll come across as mean saying a lot of these things that uh, the jokes in the show. Uh, but Wicked, I sort of, I, I can see why Avenue Q is, uh, one that Tony is what I'm saying because there's a warmth that comes from it very much so I think. I just think, also think it had that kind of underdog quality that people kind of like now that they just thought oh well Wicked's a juggernaut and you know whatever but Avenue Q is so cute and scrappy. Mm -hmm. And another uh, jug uh, juggernaut that you were a part of was Les Mis which funnily enough <laughs> my mum saw you in. Which I cannot believe. I've only been to New York once in 2007 and they saw Les Mis and because I remember getting the the playbill and I can't find it and I remember that your name was in it and and that's what I was excited about I came in and replaced Je you know, Jenny Galloway Jenny Galloway yes, who um yeah and she also played your character in Mamma Mia so in in London and I did it regionally in, in St. Louis at the Mini. Yeah, at the Mini, and you've, you've done uh, quite a yeah. few shows there I, and you did. Um, I have gypsy. Oh, that's right. I was meant to write in a pun that you went from butterflying to electrifying, um, oh. and born in the Hawaiians. <laughs> like I was, and I was going to write that into your introduction. I only thought of it like ten or twenty minutes before I started the the recording, so I, I didn't get a chance to put it in there. But it's yeah. awfully fun to do gypsy. It's awfully fun to do any show at the Muni. Yeah. Anytime you get to do something for 11,000 people at a crack, it's really fun. Oh, wow. Um, but I don't perform anymore. So that terrifies me. 
like just that many people. I, so I, I know you did obviously Gypsy there. You did Mamma Mia there. I did Matilda. I did Mrs. Wormwood and Matilda there. You know what one character I'd like to see you play? King George in Hamilton. Oh. And I'm putting it out there for Broadway to cast you as King George because this whole show is about who cares who's playing what character. Really? Well, I would love to. But here's the thing about King George. Yeah. Is that you've kind of got to hate him too. And I just feel like it's so much easier right now to hate a white guy than yeah. it is to hate like a short little Asian girl. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I like the idea of it so much. I've, you know, obviously I'm very good friends with one of the King Georges, John Robbins, because he yeah. was my Princeton in Avenue Q in the West okay. End. Yeah. So I went to go see him in Hamilton when he was King George. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's wonderful. And now he's playing Jean Valjean oh, there you go. in the West End. So, you know, I mean, I'm very fond of that part. I think it'd be amazing. I love the coat. But I can you do the cheekiness because he's cheeky. Oh, well, the cheekiness. You know, and I think that, you know, <laughs> I reckon you could play it. I can play it well. I mean, no, but in terms of your, your character in, in Avenue Q, I think um, Christmas Eve is very much the the heart, the conscious of, of all these characters that are... Um, this is is Princeton. This is the the let's just say the plain vanilla white man that walks into this crazy world, and right. everyone has their faults and everyone has their flaws and what makes them bad or whatnot. And your character is obviously that her, she has broken English, but she speaks the most sense. So therefore, she is the the glue for all these characters. Maybe not for Brian. Probably drives Brian a little bit crazy. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he loves her. Well, she's the emotional, she's like kind of like the yeah. emotional heart of the show. She she's is, the yeah. one who can tell everybody that, you know, she can tell Rod that it's okay to be him and to mm -hmm. accept himself. And she's very, a very loving, supportive soul for him. And she's Kate's friend. And, you know, like she's basically kind of there to like help everybody with the interpersonal relationships mm -hmm. she's the smartest character on the whole street she has six master's degrees she's yeah. you know she's it's not like she's stupid because she speaks broken english it's that she that's her second language well that's yeah that's what i'm saying and that you know people make assumptions exactly yeah you know everyone's a little bit racist boom boom otherwise yeah. you know why sing the song so, you know, yeah, and I and I say this to people all the time. They're always like, well, would it be okay? Do you think it'd be okay if Christmas Eve didn't have an accent? I'd be like, no, she has to have an accent. Otherwise, there's no reason for her to exist in the play. That's that's it. And, and it's because that reason that she does speak the most sense, that she speaks the plainest right. English out of everyone there. How does an idiot from Australia understand that and not bloody everyone else? Well, it's not that, it's not, you know, people are just very easy to... <laughs> very quick to yep. pick on things yep. and that's part of the problem in terms of like trying to evaluate shows mm -hmm. that you've got to be able to take something in context yeah exactly <laughs> you keep going back to this but that's really what it is it is no uh, it's funny you say that about um christmas eve without the accent because if you listen to the german cast recording she sounds german which i never have you have it i was actually gonna do, yeah. um, link everyone to oh, it fantastic because i was listening to it earlier it's it is it's quite um interesting but christmas eve isn't exactly um she doesn't have the accent she does sound german so, which is an interesting experience listening to Germans sing happily about racism. How do they, how does Schadenfreude come out? That's, oh, I was going to make a joke about that and ask you guys, um, how do you think Schadenfreude was translated and wait for the crickets? <laughs> yeah, right. 
I know at least one person who would fall for that. But no, it, um, I have heard it before in the past, but I couldn't tell you. I, I listen to a lot of foreign cast recordings because I find that I like I know the lyrics anyways because I'll sing along to them in English, but I can hear the music a lot more because I'm not distracted. Oh, interesting. I could just listen to karaoke versions, I guess, but I'm not getting the orchestra there. <laughs> No. no, karaoke versions are no. terrible. I know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, but speaking of different versions, with Avenue Q, you did Avenue Q Swings, obviously. Oh, I did. Yes. I uh, love that. So I have a question. What other genre besides jazz or swing would you like to see Avenue Q translated into? Well, obviously heavy metal. Yep. I could say that. Um, <laughs> obviously. What about you, Dave? Well, I mean, you know, heavy metal is going to be my go-to answer as well, but uh, I, I'm going to err on the side of, of difference and uh, go with, I would like to see it done in Canadian sort of folk music. That's uh, very, very specific. What makes something Canadian folk music? It's just something about it. It's, there's just something about it that no one can... Uh... Something about it. <laughs> It's whimsical and very, very nice. That's what it is. We've, we've yeah. got some yeah. lovely Canadian friends. Thank you very much, Dave, for offending them. Shout out to Steffi and Lisa and, and Joanna, who was born in, in Canada as well. And my girlfriend who lives in Canada, obviously. Oh, my God. That was, that was a terrible... I'm sorry. When I was in Vancouver shooting Schmigadoon. All I wanted to do was ask people, do you know anybody named Alberta? I just need to find a girl named Alberta so I can take a picture with her. That sounds like something I would do. But okay, this is way off topic, but have you ever been to Morea? No, never. Have you been, Dave? I'm going to... To the country, no, no. Well, I've been to Paradise, but I have never been to me. Uh, That was terrible. That's the worst song ever written, I think. Oh, that song is... I've been to paradise, but I've never been. It is pretty bad. I tell you, don't put that on when I'm drunk or I will put on a dress. Anyways, (laughs) uh, I have a question for you both because I'm going to, I ask every performer this. What is your opinion on the state of this standing ovation for today's audiences? Because uh, they seem to give it to anything and everything. Well, I mean, I haven't found it. And I don't, you can, you can call this a comment on the quality of the shows I do. I haven't found that audiences give shows I'm in an automatic standing ovation. But that's, I think that's a good thing, though. As a performer, you should want that. Yeah. You... No, that is a good thing because you want to feel like you've earned it Amen. if you get it, right? Amen. But I certainly don't blame audiences for wanting to give a standing mm-hmm. ovation. I would never blame an audience. I think that's a good thing because that means they're participating in the event, you know, yeah. in the evening, that they've got yeah. some skin in the game i mean obviously it's terrible if you feel like oh everybody does it and so i'm gonna stand and you know yeah yuck you don't want to feel like it's like it's a forced gimme or something but then if you don't stand up you feel like an asshole so no i mean (laughs) i've been in audiences where other people have stood and i haven't stood and i just like sorry i don't feel it whatever oh i love you and you are my hero because i i mean i do it but i feel so awful not standing up and i've look i i have talked about this before that billy Elliot, the musical which i which dave was in in melbourne and i cried all the way through that first act i was so swept up in the staging and then the delivery of it how they interpreted it but at the end of it i didn't feel compelled to stand up for some reason well you're weird i know i know <laughs> we've, we've established that on the show remember i did nearly kill myself cooking pasta last night no i know i know <laughs> 
Look, one time I dropped a fork on my on my foot while cooking, and the oh. tine of the fork went through my big toe. Oh, like oh. on a weird, you know, random thing, and I couldn't believe it. Yes. Take a picture of it oh. and show it on Facebook. Like, look, the tine of the fork went through my big toe. That was fun. Oh, oh, oh. Now I'm going to probably do something similar to that tonight when <laughs> I cook dinner. And it will be on the same spot where I burnt myself last night. G'day, listeners. Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www dot thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Crack, thud, the human trips over the uneven ground as the twanimal blows out the lantern. Watch your step, Kapoor says a little too late. Why did you put the light out? Ollie Kosh, an open flame near hay bales? And here I thought you were smart, sir. Toniston agrees with how silly he must have sounded. What are we doing out here? The boy asks as they blindly walk around the side of the house, where they're greeted by giant shadows rising up above them. Unable to properly see in the pitch-black darkness, Toniston presumes they are the three hay bales. He looks around. The plains are vast and the spotlights out in the distance, now a purple colour, seem to be too far away to bring any real light to them. They do, however, look very pretty dancing on the rippling oceanic sky. Stand back, the silhouetted cub paw warns with his gruff but friendly voice clearly able to see in the darkness better than the human who had constantly refused to eat his carrots. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Dave, when were you in uh, Billy Elliot in the West End? What year? Uh, so I was in from 2012 until 2015, I think. My God, that was way after I saw it. I'm so sorry. 2012, 2015. My God, I had no idea the show ran that long. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I came in uh, in my final year of the contract. I think it was uh, 2015. They, they'd celebrated their 10th year mm -hmm. anniversary. Yeah, yeah. And then 2016 was their final year in town, but I didn't sign on to do that. Because we'd just done the DVD, we'd just done the 10-year anniversary. Uh, I'd, I'd worked on the show for three years at that point here in yeah. uh, the UK and, and also doing it for a year or so back at home in Oz. So for me, my sort of journey had, had come to an end, uh, a great end. So, uh, But I know I know it went for one more year. So it, it did 11 wow. years, finishing in 2016. I saw it in 06, I think, in, in London. Oh, wow. Lovely. Oh, you would have seen one of the, well, if not the original cast. Oh, no, I'm so jealous. Even though you are original cast yourself, having appeared on, on how many cast recordings. And you're working with a, an Australian, or word, uh, Heather McElhaney. Ah, 
you know, on um, Emoji Land. I, I have. I, I love her. She's so wonderful. Well, I'd love to have her on to to celebrate her success. Over obviously having Dave on. Um, uh, we'll move on, obviously, because Avenue Q. Look, it's it's a surefire five stars regardless of who is on team metal a hunk fest are we going to get another hunk fest i don't know are we ever going to get out of this pandemic <laughs> possible it's possible the problem also has to be is my team is my creative team and am i not working in the month of december that's really no. sort of yep. how that flies and lately i've had a lot of jobs over christmas so mm -hmm. You know, if, if it all falls into place, I'm sure we'll try to do one just for old time's sake because it feels like it's been a hundred years since we've done one. Um, but it's so fun. There's just nothing like sexually harassing a bunch of guys, you know, Broadway leading men types and, you know, having a, I don't know, what is it called when you poke fun at somebody? Oh, shitster. Like banter. Oh, banter, yeah. Shitster. Shitster in Australia, banter in, in the UK. Shitster, never heard of that. Yeah, shit. Yeah, shitster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's just it's just fun. But we'll see, we'll see. I'd love to, but I don't, I don't know. You could always do a Halloween version, Halloweenies. Oh, I mean, we could do it at any holiday, really, uh, if we had to. Yeah, but yeah, true. You, you're Christmas Eve. And now it's so Christmas so Eve. The whole sense. point of it is, you know, namesake. Uh, now, Schmigadoon is obviously coming to Apple TV, as we established before. What are you actually allowed to tell us about your character? Well, I am the mayor's wife. Mm -hmm. The great Alan Cumming. Holy shit. I am one degree away from Alan Cumming. Yes. <laughs> um, and basically, the premise is much like Brigadoon, mm -hmm. is that basically two strangers to town, Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key, get lost on a camping trip and wander into the town of Schmigadoon, where they quickly realize, well, they don't quickly realize, but <laughs> they find out that the entire town is a musical, that they are in a musical. But not everybody in the town is in the same musical, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. That's a twist. It's like some of us are dressed like we're in The Music Man, and some of us are dressed like we're in Carousel, and some of us, you know, like it's just general musical land. And we are all in a musical in the town, but nobody acknowledges that. Nobody, because, you know, Cecily will be like, well, that was a beautiful song you were singing, and somebody else will go like, I will singing what are you talking about you know what I mean like yeah. no concept anyway so you know their goal is of course to get out of this town as soon as possible but you cannot get out of it you cannot leave this town until you find true love that's the premise kids and so of course you know they meet a whole bunch of schmigadoonians who may be possible true love candidates <laughs> and you know things you know Hilarity ensues. I mean, it's really, really funny. The songs are all original. Oh, good. Yeah, that's my next question. And um, very much homages to other famous musical theater songs. <laughs> so, yep. so if you're a musical fan, you'll really get every joke. And if you're not a musical fan, hopefully you'll still think it's funny. Yep. That's our goal. And, you know, you can just imagine, like, the town busybody is played by Kristen Chenoweth. And, you know, the town school teacher is Ariana DeBose. And the town, I don't know what to call him. 
Carney, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, he runs the amusement park, is Aaron Tveit. So it's just basically, a yeah. Oh, and there's a countess, Jane Krakowski. <laughs> yes. So I was thinking, for some reason, I was thinking of uh, Christine Baranski. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know why. No. Um, yes, Jane Krakowski. Now, I'm starting to think that a bunch of really super talented people go together on a holiday and suddenly everything's a friggin' musical and they stay there. This is how that town started. It's just that it was that synergy of all these talented people in, in, in one area. That's how it is. Surely that's the, that's the twist ending, isn't well, it? I've, I've solved the plot of Schmigadoon. I don't want to give up way so i'm right aren't i dave that's what happens well you know look i i i, I have utter faith in you and you're ingenious so I, I i would like to go yes Yes. no definitely now dave obviously you have written your own sitcom that we've talked about we've advertised on this show did um do you have any questions for Anne about schmigadoon yes or anything really for that matter about Schmig- i mean i guess i am finding and i am and I think it's great to see that there's more musical content coming through in the yeah. film variety, whether it be uh, becoming sort of commonplace or if it's just like a new uh, wave of, of musical films. Like I know, you know, there's a new West Side Story coming out and, uh, you know, we had the, the prom queen on um, Netflix and stuff like that. From your side of the fence, when you were shooting it, when you were filming it, were you having... Were you finding that it was a very similar vibe to, to what we sort of do on stage? Were, were you able to bring that same sort of, I guess, live performance to it? Funny you should ask, because I also was very nervous about that whole premise. Um, and we actually mm. ended up singing live. Oh, wow. Because you didn't sing at all in Smash, did you? Or yeah. Linda, your no, character? No, not me, no. No, no, my character didn't do that, no. What a, what a waste. Deborah Messing sang saying in quotation marks we had to hear that <laughs> still bitter stop it I'm, I'm still bitter i like that show no but like you know we actually you know had the tracks in our ear and sang live they filmed okay. that do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and i kind of wasn't expecting that mm. i thought we'd just be singing to like a pre-dub or something and they really wanted yeah. to sing live because they wanted to have that energy kind of come across um and yeah you can see the throat moving yeah you can see the throat moving, you know like everything and just like so you have your singing partner and you're actually singing to them like you're singing on a stage only you know mm-hmm. you're being filmed and it was really lovely it really felt fun and organic um you know i mean obviously in the big group numbers we're all singing but you can't hear a thing we're singing because we that all had to be sung separately and recorded separately because there's way too many people mm-hmm. and you know but um but yeah all in all our solos everybody sang and it was just so cool i can't wait seriously that cast yeah it's got to be one of the the biggest sort of musical casts obviously um girls five ever which I, I mentioned earlier that's got you know nice solid cast of, of broadway performers in it but this one is just bursting at the seams so uh, do you know anything if we, we're going to go into a season two? No one said boo about a season two. I mean, we talk about it like jokingly, you know, when yeah. we send emails to each other. It's like, see it for season two. But like no one, of course, no one's ever 
I think they want to see yeah. season, if anybody cares about season one. I mean, I would wait to make that decision. No, they, look, these days they've got the sequel planned. They've got the comic book series planned. They've got the TV series planned all before anything is, is even dropped publicly <laughs> in terms of posters or anything. They've got that whole Poster. cinematic universe all built in already. They've got their, their table of, of writers that are, are pushing out their story. That's, that's how it works these days, for better or worse. So no, but it's good that we're we're getting, as Dave said, a lot of musical content because obviously you're a part of Smash and we've had Glee. There was Gallivant, you know, and obviously some will succeed and and others are, are going to fail. But has there been one on streaming yet? I don't know. Oh, apart from Girls Five Five Ever, obviously. Not not that I'm aware no. of. I mean, I think as far as like a, I mean, I mean, Smash was obviously a a, a series, but aside from that, there hasn't really been too much around and I, and I think you know when I was sort of putting together the Fossey Forest Ballet we, I sort of looked to see whether there was any other similar type um, pieces out there and it just wasn't and you know it's it's a musical theatre sitcom but what we are doing with it and what we're trying to do with it is it's not about the music like the musical theatre side of it is the it's, is the, it's the theme uh, param- yep. is the parameters yes yeah, the theme so but it's it's just about it's I, I think that there's a lot of scope and there's a lot of room for uh, these types of shows to to continue to to go forward and I think there's no uh, denying fact that you know in films and TVs uh, uh, TV shows a lot of the time the draw cards are the people that are in it and I think we, we, we get to a point where people have seen David Tennant in in everything and and and, it, and it's a great concept to, to sort of open it up to the world of theatre and get those people who are amazing within the theatre world to be attached to these things because they still do have a following, but it's about opening them up. So you, you get the best of both worlds, I think, if you start doing more uh, musical theatre sort of content. Although you, I would like to work with David Tennant yeah. at some point. Oh, no, David Tennant <laughs> would be amazing. No, no, don't get me wrong. I, who, who wouldn't like to work with David Tennant? I don't know. I, like, I would. I'd like to, yeah. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But I, I just think as a from a business perspective, there's an opportunity to have some fresh faces in, in things, but you still have the advantage of them not necessarily being fresh faces because they're Built people that a following. are recognizable yeah. right. and, and they've already got a following, but just not on, on that genre as yet. So from a business perspective, I, I think there's a really good um, uh, you know, market to, to sort of you know, get a following mm-hmm. behind shows like that. Well, hopefully. If the, if the marketing is there, that's the, the problem is that, they don't put market uh, the the money behind the promotions of of sometimes the right things, you know. I mean, Marvel. Okay, they're making good movies, uh, but take maybe fifty million out of their marketing budget. We know those movies are coming out, and think of what other smaller projects they could promote with that marketing budget. Obviously, um, but. You guys are working with Apple money here, so that's technically, you know, that's really the same ballpark. So hopefully they they will, as we um lead into that, give you guys the the promotion, and we'll see the big billboards and and all that. Because I, I think it's it's such a silly idea that I can't wait to see it. That's what I love. I love that that ridiculous pushing daisies is an example of of that crazy over the top world that um and, and again partly musical as well that you escapism. That's why we go into a theatre. I'm buying that I'm going all around the world, but all I'm looking at is a box that's got some lights and some sets, some wood and some nails and, and some really, really friggin' talented people. Um, but that's why I'm there to escape into that. 
Uh, whereas obviously TV is a different medium because they do, and film as well, strive for a little bit more realism. Um, so in terms of location shooting versus studio, how much sort of was the ratio um, between the two? Because I can see that it's obviously a heightened world that we're stepping into. Right. Well, I, I, didn't, really, I didn't really shoot anywhere except on a soundstage. There are scenes that are shot on location, but I just wasn't in any of them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Lots of blue screen or green screen? No. Actual no? sets. Actual physical sets. Like when I saw our house, you know what I yep. mean? On Schmigadoon Town Square. And I went into mm -hmm. our house. I almost cried because it was like being at yep. Disneyland. You know, yep. it was like everything was- <laughs> Guilty, I've done that. It was like pastel, it was like beautiful. The, the, cha the chairs and the sofas and the knickknacks and the, everything that was there for me. And this yeah. was my house, my living room and my house. I was like, oh my yeah. God, you know, like I was so moved. It was just like when you, you know, the first time you get on the set, on the actual yeah. set of your play and you're like, oh my God, that's so cute. And I never, you know, it's that whole feeling. That's what it felt like. It, it's like, a, yeah. but it's, you know, beautifully realized, of course, because they have the best set decorators ever and whatever, but. And Apple money. Apple money and Apple money. So. Lovely. Dave, you don't have anything else? No, no. Uh, absolute pleasure to uh, to listen to you both. And uh, yeah, it's been a great old time and, and uh, both the albums were were great. It was great to, uh, to listen to a little bit of Avenue Q again. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, but no, it's been really good fun. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking. No, it's, uh, look, I, I did listen to a couple of your podcasts just to see what was going to happen. Oh, God, what was? Um, especially <laughs> Alison Fraser, because she's my friend. Oh, look, that was, what, a, what an honor that was, because it not only our first guest. Oh, isn't but she the best? What a blessing. Like, and what an absolute doll. What a doll. She's lovely. She's lovely. She really, really is. Um, look, we have a lot of fun on this show. We realize it's it can be mean-spirited and sassy, but we're our heart's in the right place because we're trying to bring these worlds together. And as we established today, we we got two things that could be swapped over. Avenue Q could be done in metal. It's true. And Thin Lizzy could be put on the stage. But does anybody really want to see either of those things? Probably not, no. No, no. I don't think so. No, so I'm probably going to... A rotten hell for that one. <laughs> so add that to my list of uh, crimes <laughs> in this world. But no, thank you both very, very much. And and it has been an honor. Like I'm drowning in talent. And so I'm honored, Dave, that you're here. And I'm honored and that you would come on. Thank you guys so much. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's so nice. Dave, you're sweet to make the effort to be like in the middle of a road trying to do this. You're very yeah. sweet. It's, you know, I've been in worse places. So... It, 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 it's not too bad. <laughs> yes, no, he, he grew up um, in this sort of area. So yeah, you have been in much worse places. <laughs> I can tell you that. And is that, is, but Dave, you're in London now. Yeah, I've, I've been in London for the last uh, 10 years now, since 2010. Before this whole pandemic thing, I was touring the States. And so I was supposed to be sort of over there for quite some time, but- uh, With Sting? Yeah, with old Sting. Not just touring. You you were you were with oh. Gordon Sumner himself. Like, oh, lovely. What's yeah, yeah. Um, and and so then when we got relocated back, I I sort of had to find some uh, some digs quick smart. So I've I've managed to settle in the north. Oh, when I lived there, I lived in Swiss Cottage. Oh, lovely. I have yeah, no it's fun. I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs>
But closest I've been is Hawaii. So to London. Yeah, it's the closest to London yeah. and the closest to Broadway and Hollywood and all the places I want to go. One day, uh, mate. Yes, but no, I'd, I'm definitely going. I want to do uh, Alaska to Hawaii and then Hawaii to Australia on a boat. Sounds endless. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes, it's going to take like 35 days and I do not care. Like, piss off world. I am just <laughs> going to chill out and watch the ocean. And I'll tell you what, watching a storm on the Pacific Ocean where it's just pitch black dark and the storm is out in the distance, there is nothing like it. There really isn't. That The weather in, in Hawaii was magnificent. It's absolutely beautiful. Raining every five minutes, and, and I love the rain because it matches my soul. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> on that note, where can we find you guys on social media? Oh, yes. Well, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, at Anne Harada. I'm on Instagram. I am Anne Harada, but I never check it because I'm old. So I don't really understand <laughs> it at all. But you can find me. Yes. And Dave, where can we find you? Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm much the same. I, I'm across all the platforms. I think, I think my uh, handle is at David M. Musket. So my middle initial M for M for Mary, uh, even though my middle name isn't Mary, um, but it's at David Mus <laughs> M. Musket. Well, that's not what I hear. You know, I have, <laughs> have known you for a few years. This is true. This is true. Yes. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, if you do a Google search, you'll find something. You'll, you'll find an article about me flipping the bird to people in Dandenong, apparently. But again, thank you guys <laughs> so much. I, no I hope we had fun and, and I hope the albums weren't too torturous. And um, for you at home, take care and we shall see you next time. Bye. Bye. Pleasure. No, before he came on as a guest, but I was a year older than I was the... Don't ask. Don't ask. It's very, very confusing. I don't want to know. I don't want to answer timeline questions. It's sort of like Lost. It doesn't help you. But the thing is, I understand Lost. I don't understand my own life. That's the problem. <laughs>